We'll be looking at Colossians 1, verses 3 through 8. The Apostle writes that we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may all be seated. Well, again, good evening. I'll sit that over there. You know, we all have life patterns, right? We call them rhythms or routines. Uh, and these rhythms and routines are actually very important to us. And it really doesn't matter how organized or unorganized you may be, everybody has them. And the truth is, it is our patterns in life, it's our rhythms in life, our routines in life that actually bring us a lot of comfort, don't they? And we know this because we do not like it when our patterns or routines or rhythms are disrupted, right? And even the older we get, we say things like, well, I'm set in my... Right, right, right. And so we're all very familiar with this. But again, these are, this applies to everybody. Uh, no matter how rigid you may think your life is or maybe how uh, go with the flow you may be, we all have them. We all have them. And they're important. The question is, how healthy are they and how helpful are they? Because you can have unhealthy patterns or rhythms or routines in your life. And, uh, and, and then not only that, do they help you become who it is that God has called you to be? And then therefore do what it is that God has called you to do. And so our patterns, our rhythms, our routines, these are very, very important. And some of them we've had for so long, they just become ingrained in who we are. And some of them are, I'd just say, neutral. They're not good or bad, they're just there. But there's one particular pattern, though, that is absolutely essential if we are going to live out the Christian faith. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to start with a quote from Billy Graham. Billy Graham said this, he said, Christian living presupposes Christian conviction, but unfortunately, it is possible to have beliefs which do not find expression in conduct. This belief of the head is often confused with real faith. The simple truth is one really believes only that which one acts upon. When I see a person who claims to be a Christian and believes all the creeds and calls himself an evangelical Christian, but he does not live the Christian life, his life is not characterized by brokenness and tenderness and love. I remember the words of Jesus when he said, by their fruits you shall know them. After being born again, we are to demonstrate our faith by our works. As James said, faith without works is dead, end quote. And I think 
Billy Graham makes a very important point there, and a lot of points. But he ends, he concludes with, yes, the Christian faith should be lived out. It's a livable faith. It is to be lived out. That's why you hear me say things like, we don't just pray the Lord's Prayer, we live the Lord's Prayer, right? It is a livable faith. And then at the end of it, he, he says that our faith is dead, quoting James, without works. And then the question becomes, what works? What works? And depending on who you ask, many people answer that question of what works with whatever works for you. Whatever works for you, then yeah, we'll call that Christian faith and we'll move on. Well, I think there's, a, there's an overarching pattern, an overarching rhythm, uh, an overarching routine that is supposed to be a part of our life. And we see it here in Colossians 1. I want us to look first at Colossians 1, 3, and 4, and I just want to point out the pattern and say a few things about that, and then we'll come back and walk through it. So Colossians 1, starting in verse 3, says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Verse 4, since we heard of your, watch this, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. Your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints. I think there are these two words that are very important there, you've already picked up on them, that characterize a person who has believed the gospel. Uh, these are the two signs, if, if you will. And those are faith and love. Faith and love, those two words are absolutely important. And in fact, if you look throughout Paul's writing, you see him mention these two words together. And it's always faith in God or faith in, uh, in Jesus and it's love towards some other group of people whether it's even to love outsiders in order that we may reach them or love the saints as he mentions here. And so this, these two things, faith in God, love to others, faith to God, love to others, this is the pattern of authentic Christianity in Paul's mind. And we see it over and over again in his writing. Faith in God, love to others. Faith in God, love to others. Let me make three points about this. Let me give you three truths about these two words going together, faith and love. The first one is this, is that faith and love come from God. That means if I'm walking in faith, belief, not just in God, I'm believing God. Am I walking, believing God, and I'm also living that out in action, loving other people, then that is a result of God's work in my life. So Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.14. He's de describing what has happened to him. And he says, in the grace of God, in verse 14, 1 Timothy 1.14, and the grace of, of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, he says. Notice Paul is saying that the faith that I have and the love that I have, the faith for God and the love for others that I have, I got those from Christ Jesus. He's the source. And so whenever we're talking about true, authentic uh, uh, Christianity, it always involves these two things. And Paul, the first thing he says, if you have true belief, again, not just in God, but you believe God, you take him at his word, and then you live that out for others, you got that from Christ Jesus. Number two is this, is that faith and love are our testimony. Faith and love are our testimony. If we go to 1 Thessalonians, when Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians 3, 6, 
Paul is writing to them, describing again things that have been going on. He says, but now that Timothy has come to us from you, because Timothy was with them, he says, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love. Notice that. The good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. And then he goes on saying some other things. But notice what he mentions. Notice the testimony that comes from Timothy to Paul about the church in Thessalonica. He calls it the good news of your faith and your love. That word, the phrase good news there means a testimony. He's testifying about your faith and love. And the same is true with us. Not only do, does faith and love that we have and that we demonstrate in our life, not only does it come from God, but also it is our testimony to other people. Whenever you see someone who's really walking in faith, you know it, right? And when you see someone who's demonstrating authentic love, heavenly love towards someone else in service in some way, and I'm not just saying that they just let people get away with things, no, 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 but real love, whenever you see that in its purest form, you know that something is taking place there. And that's why for Paul, faith and love are not just something I receive and just keep to myself, it is lived out, and whenever it's lived out is a testimony to everyone around us. The third thing that I would say is this, is that faith and love are the pattern of truth. The pattern of truth. We ask questions like, am I really walking in the truth? Am I a real Christian? Am I a biblical Christian? Am I really living out my faith the way I should? We, we ask a lot of different questions that, in a lot of different ways about that. I want you to notice what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy, the last letter of Paul's life probably that we have. He writes this letter to Timothy and Timothy's struggling. Timothy's going through a lot of things at this point. And Paul, the older man, uh, pouring into Timothy, he writes to him and look what he says in 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14 on the screen. He says, follow the pattern, the pattern, the rhythm, the routine. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me. Now, that's, that's a huge statement in and of itself, right? So we know there is some pattern that Paul has instilled into Timothy. And he says, whatever you do, last letter, whatever you do, follow the pattern that you have heard from me. So the question is, what is the pattern? He tells us, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me. Here's the pattern. In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. There's the pattern. The pattern that Paul wants Timothy to follow to live out in his life is he's, he's saying, Timothy, your life is about living in this rhythm, faith in God, love for others, faith in God, love for others, faith in God, love for others. Then notice what he says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, verse 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. What's the deposit? The deposit is the pattern. 
what has been deposited into Timothy's life by Paul and others. We know that uh, because of his mother and his grandmother in his life, right? But what has been deposited into Timothy's life by Paul, and he's telling him that you are to live out is this pattern of faith and love, faith and love. This is so important because it, it, in, in today's world, many times we want to separate these two things, don't we? Even our language sometimes separates these two things. You have some people who are they're just all about faith. You know, I, this is just me and God, right? It's me and God and I have my private worship time with God. I have my private prayer time with God. I have my private reading time with God. It's just, just, just me and God. And, and listen, all that's important, right? Yeah, it's very important, but that's not all of it. There's also this thing called love. And love is not just mushy feelings. It's your faith in action, actually touching other people's lives, right? It, it, it is, I say this all the time, it is an active thing in our life. It is an action word in our life where we actually reach out and take the hand of another person and we help them up however they need to give up, get up. Uh, or we put, place our hand on them and we pray for them. Or we even give them something or we serve them in some way. We wash their feet in some way. Are you with me there? But you have some Christians today who say, no, 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 it's just, it's all about faith. It's about your time with God, your time in prayer, your time in worship, your time, your time, your time. Then you have other Christians today say, oh, no, no, it's all about serving. Now, we, we, we don't need to do any of those things. We don't, you know, okay, well, you're praying, great. You know, you spend time in worship, great. You spend time reading the Bible, great. No, no, you just need to be doing something. Go do something. Do, 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 do. It takes both. Both. And the pattern for Paul is this faith in engaging God, and then you live it out in love to others. And again, it takes both. And I would even say to live an, a life that is authentic in loving others, you have to constantly engage God because you need his unlimited love in order to continue to love others. But if you never reach out and you're just always taking in, that means the word is actually not alive and active in you. It's like going to Bible study for 40 years but never serving in any way, right? Just like going out and serving with the Red Cross, great organization, but serving with the Red Cross or any other organization for that matter, doing some good things without ever engaging God, that's not healthy either. So the, the Pauline pattern is faith in God, love for others. Faith in God, love for others. So what we see here in this text in verses 3 through 8 is that there are five qualities, if you will, Five actions, if you want to use that word, uh, of faith and love, that faith and love produce in me. The first one that we see is in verse 3. He mentions these five things. There are five key words that stand out uh, in these few verses. Uh, and the first one that he mentions in verse 3 and is the word thankful or thank. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on, when we pray for you since we heard. We thank God. We thank God. And here's the point number one, is that when I live in faith and with love, I am more thankful. I am more thankful. This healthy rhythm of engaging God, engaging others, engaging God in faith, 
serving others in love, this healthy rhythm of back and forth produces a thanksgiving, a gratefulness within me. You see, because when you have a new pattern or a new rhythm in life, it creates a new thought pattern in your life. You do know you train your mind on how you think. You know that, right? When you have a new pattern, a new rhythm that you are going through in life, it, it, it affects how you think about life and how you see life around you. And whenever you are thinking about what the Lord has done for you, engaging Him in faith, and you are thinking about what the Lord has done through you in serving other people, it produces a gratefulness in you. But again, we train our minds how to think. That's why negative people have actually trained their minds to think negatively. And when you meet someone who is constantly negative and they're just always an Eeyore, and yeah, sometimes personality and things like that play into it, absolutely, sure. But also when we give in to those patterns and we train our mind in that way and we've lost that gratitude and we've lost that thankfulness, it may go back to our pattern of faith in God, engaging God, loving, actively loving, serving others. That rhythm may be out of balance in some way. Because when you're engaging Almighty God, you are serving people in need, it will produce a thankfulness in you. The second thing it does is this, is when I live in faith and with love, I am more prayerful. Paul says in verse 3, we always thank God, the Father our Lord, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And then in verse 4 he goes on, since we've heard about your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. Notice, he says, I'm thankful to God for you and, and, it, and it makes me want to pray more. When I hear about your faith, I want to pray more. When I hear about your love for the saints, I want to pray more. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Of course, engaging God in faith and serving other people in love would increase your prayer life. Because the more you engage God in faith, the more you see your need for Him, right? The more unholy me, uncompletely sanctified me, I don't know if y'all know that or not, but I'm not completely sanctified. <laughs> y'all may be, you know, but, but not me. Um, I heard that. Anyway, <laughs> but the more I engage God, unholy gets close to hope, the more I realize I need Him. But then the more I serve others, the more I'm around others, the more I actively love others, not only do I see my need for God when I get close to God, I see their need for God. And so, of course, this is going to increase my prayer life. Yes, I'm thankful for what God has done in my life and the work he's done so far. And yes, I'm thankful for the ways in which he's used me and the ways he's worked in other people's lives so far. There's thankfulness, yeah, but also I increase in prayer as well. The more I engage him and the more I engage others in love. But not only do I see a need there, uh, when, when faith and love are being worked out in my life, when that is the rhythm of my life, prayer increases because my desire grows. My desire grows. Because the more you engage in God, engage with God, the more you engage with other people in love, right? The more you do this, that desire, that spiritual muscle memory is developed. There's a desire that grows to do it more and more and to increase. That's why you'll hear Paul writing to churches like he did the church in Thessalonica. He, he, says, he lists out these things that you're doing so well and he says, I'm praying that'll increase more and more, he says. 
And the same thing is true. The more we exercise our faith in engaging God, we exercise our love in serving other people, the more the desire grows for us to do it more and more. That's why you can find people, people all around this church who have been serving in some ministry for many, many years and they love it just as much today as they did years ago when they started it. Because that spiritual muscle memory has been built in them. But not only do I see a need, therefore I pray. Not only does the desire grow, therefore I pray. But, but also, in engaging God and really loving others, our spirits groan within us. And some of you know what it's like to be in one of those situations in life where you feel the need to pray. You don't even know what to pray for. And Paul says that there are groans that happen on the inside within our spirit. And the more we engage God in faith, and then the more we live out and engage others in love. It's not just to see the needs that people have or the needs that we have. There's a, there's a depravity that's so deep that we know it takes a loving God with infinite power to actually do something about it. And so, yes, there is the needs we see in us and others. Yes, there's the desire that continues to grow. But there's also this deep groaning and drawing of the Spirit of God that draws us back to Him and then draws us out to serve others as well. So the first thing is when I live in faith and with love, I am more thankful. The second thing is I am more prayerful. The third thing is that when I live in faith and with love, I am more hopeful. I am more hopeful. I'm going to go back to verse 3. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. I think when we're living in this pattern, faith in God, love for others, faith in God, love for others, the hope of eternity is constantly growing in our mind. And y'all have heard me define hope before. It's confident ex expectation. It's not wishful thinking. We, we use the word very flippantly today. Well, I hope that happens. Hope that happens. No, no, no. It's confident expectation that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And that hope continues to grow. But it's not just hope in general. It's hope for eternity. Because you think about it, if I'm engaging the eternal God on a regular basis, that's a part of my pattern, my rhythm, my routine, and I'm engaging eternal purposes in loving other people, that's a part of my pattern, my routine, my rhythm. When I'm engaging eternal God, engaging in eternal purposes, the hope of eternity is going to be on my mind more. And again, it goes back to that need that we see, the desire that grows within us, that desperateness in us where our spirit groans with us. We need eternity. We need heaven to break into earth. And so it creates a longing in us for heaven. And that longing is that hope that we have, the confident expectation that this life is not all there is, this world is not all we have. And that becomes more and more real when the pattern, when the rhythm is at work in our life. Does that make sense? Number four is when I live in faith and love, I am more fruitful. More fruitful. Again, we ask questions about this all the time to ourselves. We wonder if we're more, we're productive in the kingdom or we're doing what it is that God has called us to do or we're bearing fruit for him. Maybe we read John 15 and we, we wonder. 
But notice what Paul says here. He talks about the hope that is laid up for us in heaven. And then he continues in verse 5. He says, Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, he says. Paul says, you, this pattern that you're living out, church in Colossae, it, it is producing fruit in your life. It is bearing fruit. And he says, everywhere, it's increasing throughout the world. That's uh, Paul's implying. Everywhere you see people engaging God in faith and living it out in love, this is the routine. This is the rhythm of their life. This is their drum beating life. Everywhere you see that, you see the gospel increasing. Because you don't have a compartmentalized faith at that point. It truly is transforming us as we personally engage God, whether we do that as an individual or corporately. But also then it's being lived out. It's touching other people's lives. So fruit is being, is coming to flourishion. Because fruit bearing, again, you want to bear fruit. It, ha it is a faith that believes God. I did not say believes in. A faith that believes God and a love that acts on behalf of God. That's how we bear real fruit. It's a faith that believes God, we take him at his word, and then it acts on behalf of God, and we live it out to the world around us. Number five is this, is that when I live in faith and love, I am joining my faith with other people's faith. Notice verse seven and eight. He gives us an example. He's saying that, that this gospel is increasing. And then in verse 7, he says, Just as you learned it, this grace of God in truth, just as you learned the grace of God in truth from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. That's a whole lot of your, us, back and forth going on there. You see that? And that's why I say that whenever we're living in faith and walking in love, we are joining our faith together. There's a connectedness that takes place among the saints, which is the context of what he's talking about. Flip over, if you will, to Colossians 4. Let's go to the end of the book for a minute. Y'all ever read the end of a novel and ruin it for yourself? Go to uh, Colossians 4 verse 12. Because Epaphras is mentioned again in verse 12. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, because he's giving these final greetings, but notice what he's doing specifically. Who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. He may not physically be with him, with them, Right? But he is joining his faith with their faith and he is struggling. What an interesting word. He is literally warring on their behalf in his prayers. He's interceding for them. Struggling on behalf, on your behalf in his prayers. That you may, two things, may stand mature, number one, and fully assured in all the will of God. 
That's what I talked about last Sunday, the will of God. This Epaphras that's mentioned here, he was struggling in prayer, warring in prayer on behalf of the church in Colossae. Specifically for two reasons. He prayed that they would be mature. When was the last time you prayed that someone would be mature? Versus praying for other things for people. You know, it's like my grandmother had that picture on her refrigerator said, you know, Lord, make my enemies, you know, twist their ankles so that I can know them by their limp or something like that. <laughs> now he's praying that they'll be mature. And then he's praying that they would be fully assured in all the will of God. That's how he was joining his faith with their faith. You see, the faith-love pattern transcends any culture. So many times we, 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 we say, well, what do we have in common with these? The faith-love pattern transcends every denomination. Every one of them. Every tradition, every heritage. How much warring goes on over denominational battles? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, Calvinist, you know, Wesleyan, you know, it's okay. Listen, if you're Calvinist, it's okay. It's okay for you to be wrong, you know. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> right. But the faith-love pattern, that is authentic Christianity lived out. And for Paul, that's at the core of the faith. It's at the core of the faith for them. And it's producing this, these things in Paul and Epaphras. And in the church of Colossae, there's thankfulness increasing, prayerfulness is increasing, hope is increasing, fruit is increasing, all because they're joining together in this faith-love pattern. May we do the same. Amen? Amen? Father, would you help us? Help us, Lord, forgive us for complicating following you. Would you give us a new pattern in our life? Sunday we heard we have a new life goal, and that's your will. Lord, help us live that out with a new rhythm of engaging you in faith, living it out in love. And Lord, that, may that increase in us all that it increased and did for and benefited the church in Colossae so long ago. Lord, at the end of our days, we just want to be found faithful. May we be found faithful and engaging you in faith, living it out in sacrificial love for others. Lord, we love you. Thank you. Produce this in us. Help us submit where we need to submit that your will may be done and not ours. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.